This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So in this segment, it's called Consumer Debt Facts and Fictions, separating some key facts about consumer debt and debt solutions from fiction. The old adage, knowing is not owing. So if you were faced with a debt problem or are facing a debt problem or having trouble making all your monthly debt payments, would you know what your rights are and what the remedies could be? So do you know where to turn for qualified debt advice? Well, Blair is going to separate some important facts about consumer debt and debt solutions from common fiction. And you might be surprised as we go through these thinking, oh, I thought that was true. (laughs) And in fact, no, it's not. Uh, So I want to start with the the recent BC Consumer Debt Study that was uh, done by Sands & Associates. And they do it, you do it every year, don't you, Blair? That's right. Yeah, it's our, I think, ninth issue this year. But yeah, every year we do it. Yeah. And so finding that only 5% of consumers that they talked to said they got professional debt help right away or started looking for it right away. And then when they were asked about reasons for delaying getting that professional help, 29% of the people polled said it was because they didn't know where to get the help. So Blair, how do you, what do you say, what do you say to that? That's quite high, 30%. Yeah, well, we've got more work to do, uh, Elaine. So I I hope (laughs) if folks are listening, they they understand, you know, that most people, they're not aware of the things we're talking about on this show. So there's just a really significant gap in financial literacy in Canada. And even though access to credit is so normalized, you know, everyone's expected to use credit, use credit cards, you can barely use cash at some places. Now, there's just such a lack of openness and general knowledge about debt. Uh, and especially when there's a problem, you know, it's really not clear where individuals should go for help. You know, people might know in general, okay, when they might turn to an accountant or a lawyer or a financial planner, but most people have no idea when they should reach out for debt help, and they don't know that a licensed insolvency trustee can be their best ally to deal with a debt problem and help them move move forward. So, you know, shows like this, topics like this, Elaine, they're all about taking the stigma away, and I'm always so happy we can go through um, segments where we're going to talk about facts and show you know what's true and what's not and really give some straight good some practical advice for people as, as they face situations and i think blair what you said was really important um we are constantly faced with all these options to get more credit how to get money how to do it this way or do it that way but very little information on on good counseling around money or if you do get into a problem how to fix it and how to fix it well as opposed to the other things that we're confronted with all the time like uh, pay loan debts and or not pay loan debts but um what are they called help me Blair. When pay loan debts, that's what it is. Oh, Somebody going oh, for payday, a, yeah. payday loans. Yeah. Pay, payday loan. That's it. I got my yeah. words switched oh, yeah. around. The All right. The worst. So first, yeah, the first thing, the first piece of fiction, most consumer debt problems are bad due to, uh, are, are due rather to bad budgeting and overspending. People are in debt because of bad budgeting and overspending. And what do you say to that? 
Yeah, you know, the, the general conception is, you know, people who go bankrupt, they just made bad decisions. And, you know, if I or whoever else were facing the same situation, you know, I could have had a different outcome if I just made a better decision. Um, and, you know, there's a piece of that, you know, what we found is about a third of individuals, actually less than a third, about 28% of people who had filed a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, they said that, yeah, the reason I'm doing this is because I overextended my credit because of general financial mismanagement. I just made some mistakes and, and that's that. I probably could have done something different. Okay, that's 28%. For the vast majority of individuals, uh, the reason why they're seeking help with their debts has nothing to do with any decisions that they've made, good or bad. It's just that something has happened in their life, an external shock that's left them unable to honor the obligations they thought they could if, that's, if that shock hadn't happened. So the four of the top five causes, uh, one is essential cost of living that income couldn't cover. So we've all seen people use credit uh, increasingly over the past couple of years as inflation has increased. Um, and people are saying, you know, cost of living has just outstripped my ability to pay for it. That was about 18% of people who filed for insolvency said there's nothing different that I've done. It's just this, it's become so expensive to live and I've had to use credit to fill the gap. Um, the other three causes, uh, one is illness, injury, or health-related problems. So uh, you can imagine if you're ill, your income is often interrupted. You may or may not have really good disability coverage. So that's a key driver of people seeking help with their debt is suddenly their health has, has been compromised. Uh, marital or relationship breakdown, uh, traditionally a very high cause of people seeking insolvency help because suddenly you've got to divide uh, various assets. You've got to reestablish a household. Quite often if the marriage deteriorates, there's not the same focus on financial um, stability and making good decisions that there might have been just due to the issues the couple is dealing with. Uh, and then finally, the last one, job-related issues, unemployment, layoff, reduction in pay. So if you think about it, you know, no one tries to get sick, uh, no one intends to get divorced, uh, and certainly no one intends to, you know, be laid off from a job that was, that was paying the bills. So the vast majority of people that need help with their debt, they might have done all the right things, as we, as we often say, but they end up in a situation where they might be needing to file either a bankruptcy or proposal. So the fact that most debt problems are due to bad budgeting or overspending, complete fiction. It's a very small percentage. It's generally due to circumstances outside of an individual's control. And nothing says uh, that more quickly uh, and devastatingly than, I know, a pandemic, right? I mean, things can change at the turn of a dime these days. Uh, your situation is this, and then all of a sudden it's that. So uh, such good advice there. Uh, and if you know, if you already fit into that category and you know that you need to take some action and want to take some action to deal with your debt situation, give Sands & Associates a call. 1-800-661-3030 and get started. So, uh, Blair, can you take us through some other facts and fictions that are often misunderstood when it comes to sort of overall responsibility for a debt? Yeah, this next one we, we still run into quite often, so it, it definitely uh, bears spending a little bit of time on. And the fact is that getting married does not make you responsible to your spouse's creditors. So just very clearly, you are not responsible for repaying the debts of your spouse simply by virtue of marriage, cohabitation, or even if, God forbid, they were to pass away, you don't inherit your spouse's debt. So it's a common misconception that spouses become legally responsible for paying each other's debts once they're married. We've probably all heard the phrase, you know, you marry somebody, you marry their debt. It's a complete falsehood. You do not assume responsibility uh, for a spouse's debt just because you become married, cohabitated, had a child, anything like that. 
Um, the only way a spouse can be responsible for another spouse's debt is either a one on a very deliberate basis. You decide you're going to co-sign, you're going to co-borrow, you're going to sign together for something that could be a loan, a lease, or a credit card. So if you keep your finances separate, that's not going to, to cause any issues. The other scenario um, is if one partner incurred a bunch of debt when the relationship was going on, but then the relationship ends, there's a divorce under the BC Family Law Act. Um, some of those debts can be split with the other uh, other partner, even though they didn't incur the debt, they could be asked to pay half. But that's not the same as a visa trying to collect from two two different people. Visa can still only collect from the spouse who owed the debt. That's one spouse making a claim to the other, saying, you know what, I want you to pay half of this debt that we incurred together. But the vast majority of cases, especially if the marriage or relationship is going to continue, there's no automatic relationship between being married and suddenly owing each other's debts. So many couples would make different financial decisions uh, if they were aware of that fact, because I've seen far too often uh, a couple gets married, one person has a bunch of assets, the other has a bunch of debt, um, and and the person with assets sells those assets to pay off the family debt thinking they had to do so. Meanwhile, they could have kept those assets and the person who had the debt could have restructured it, perhaps done a proposal, and the family unit would have been that much better off. So make sure you understand clearly what you owe and what you don't owe. And just because a collection agent or someone at the bank tells you, well, this is a joint responsibility, you know, demand the proof of that. Make sure you can see where you signed to be jointly responsible. And if you haven't, well, then there's, there's no basis for that liability. Okay. What about old debts? Do they do they ever expire or disappear? Well, that's another good good question. So this is the fiction that old debts eventually expire. And in many fictions or many falsehoods, there's an element of truth. So let's, you know, dig a little bit deeper on this. So debts don't typically expire after a given amount of time. But what does happen is the creditor's time in which they can take legal action against you does expire. So in the province of BC, you might have heard about a two-year statute of limitations. And if you haven't, let me be the first to tell you, there is a two-year statute of limitations on basic consumer debts. And what that means is from two years from after the date the debt was incurred, or the last payment against it was made, or the last written acknowledgement of the debt was made by the person who owes the money. So even sending an email saying, yeah, I owe this money can reset that two-year clock. But if it's been two years or more since any of the above things have happened, the creditor who's owed that money can no longer take legal action against you to force you to pay. So if you owe somebody money, they can call you, harass you, threaten to take you to court. But until they actually take you to court, they can't start seizing your assets, taking your wages or anything like that. Um, if they've waited more than two years since the day you last made a payment or signed an acknowledgement on the debt, well, then they lose that right to ever take you to court. So again, it doesn't mean that debt is expired. It doesn't mean that that debt is suddenly gone and will never reappear again. It does mean that you can't be taken to court to be forced to pay that debt. So for some people, that's a lifesaver. You know, they're maybe 70, 75 years old on pensions, aren't too concerned about a credit rating. They'll just say, well, there's nothing they can do to me anyway. They can call whatever. If someone is earlier on in their financial life, they still might want to deal with that debt because it will be a negative mark on their credit. They might have new collectors, you know, every few months harassing them. Uh, but legally, after two years, there can be nothing that's going to force them to pay that debt.
Uh, one carve out on this is it's for most consumer debts, but it doesn't apply to anything like child or spousal support arrears, which I think people would generally get. You can't wait out those obligations and make them go away, nor would you want to. Uh, you can't do this for any debts you've already been sued for and there's been a court order against you. Um, that doesn't have a two-year limitation period. And finally, if you have any government debt, whether it's the CRA or something like ICBC, there's no limitation period. But things like credit cards, payday loans, lines of credit, all of those are subject to the basic two-year limitation period. Okay. Now, we've just got about a minute left, and, and I want to talk a little bit about the CRA. Uh, I only need to worry about Canada Revenue Agency if I owe money, and, and you say that's fiction. That is fiction because a lot of people think, well, I'm not going to file a tax return this year. I don't think I owe them money. And then they get a few years behind. It's actually worse in CRA's mind to not file a tax return than to file a return where you show a balance owing. They view that filing a return is, you know, the basic price of living in a civic society. So don't become a non-filer because eventually what CRA might do is what's called an arbitrary assessment where they just basically file your taxes for you, make up a number, and then you have to go through and disprove that. And suddenly they might start collecting against you pretty heavily. So there is hope when there's CRA debt, a trustee can help you reduce that debt, but it all starts with getting those returns filed. So even if you don't think you owe money, get the returns filed every year. And if you do owe money, make sure you file those returns because it will put you in a better category than otherwise. Okay, excellent. Um, And if you want a place to start, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, you've just described my situation, what do I do now? This is what you do. You give them a call, Sands & Associates, at 1-800-661-3030, or check out their website. You can certainly get an appointment through there and look at all the terrific information they've got for you uh, that sometimes might explain something a little bit better so you know for sure that's the step you want to take in any event. The website address is is sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. So this segment is all about debt problems from something as serious, and man, this is serious, when your bank account gets frozen, to maybe you've got an old debt that's kicking around and you haven't done anything about it. This segment is all about the resources available to you. And Blair, of course, president of BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees, Sands and Associates, no stranger to questions from people facing a debt problem or an outright emergency. So Blair, can you walk us through some high or some common high stress debt scenarios and what kind of resources uh, Sands and Associates have? So I'm, I was thinking further, so what's the first thing you generally say to someone with a debt problem or a real urgent situation who has contacted you for advice? I bet you've got a, a series of things that you go through right off the bat to see where they are. Well, absolutely, Elaine. I think the, the first thing to really let people know, and you know, almost in these words, is that they've come to the right place. So if you're finding yourself in a tough, unmanageable situation with your debts, reaching out to a licensed insolvency trustee is absolutely the best thing you could be doing for your financial situation, your financial health. Not going to cost you anything. It's fully confidential, and you're dealing with the most qualified professional to help you. So the first thing is just to let people know that, yes, they're with the right person that can help them with their debts. But also it's to say there's a solution to every debt problem. So it's not, you know, this is what inspires me as a trustee, is there's no situations that we can't make better. 
So often, you know, medical professionals, they, they you know, put all of their best efforts and the patient just may not make it. Uh, as a debt health professional, you know, the law is very clear, the rules are very clear. And if someone, you know, comes in and is completely honest and straightforward with us and we're the same in, in reverse, there's just a wonderful debt resolution option that usually can emerge and the person can feel very proud that, you know, they saw the right professional, they faced things head on, they ended up with a much better tomorrow. Uh, what people need to understand as well is they often come in and they're very ashamed about the circumstances that got them there and they're worried that they're going to be judged. And absolutely at Sands and Associates, we believe our role is not to make anybody feel worse than they already do. You know, usually the collection agents have done a great job of, of belittling folks and, and beating them down. Um, our job is not to judge, but to help people understand what they can do to get back into control, uh, to have a better tomorrow, to get out from under uh, the yoke of unmanageable debt that might have just sapped out, you know, literally their, their life force and sometimes their will to live. They can just lose all sense of hope uh, when they feel just buried by debt. I was surprised or not surprised, but just saddened, I guess, that one of the most common um, situations that people find themselves in is a creditor is threatening to garnish their wages. Yeah, Elaine, that's probably the one that sends people running through our doors or our proverbial doors these days more so than anything else. Uh, because what that means, as a wage garnishment means that after a court application, a creditor is able to take money from your wages, from your bank account, uh, or from any other income sources. Uh, so once the creditor is applied to court, it usually doesn't happen overnight. They can't just start taking, taking money right away. But there is one common exception to that, and that's Canada Revenue Agency, and they don't need a court order. So sometimes people can get quite surprised by suddenly having a wage garnishment from Canada Revenue Agency. Oftentimes, if it's from a typical creditor like a bank or uh, you know a payday lender or things like that, there's more of a warning because they had to be served with legal documents. Uh, but that's a hugely concerning uh, type of situation because a lot of people, you know, especially in BC with the cost of living so high, you know, they're barely making ends meet with their full paycheck. And with the wage garnishment, you know, quite often it's up to 30% of their wages is going to be paid directly to the person who is owed the money, whether again a bank or whether it's Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, and there's nothing the individual can do. There's nothing the employer can do to stop that garnishment unless they get the protection from a licensed insolvency trustee. So having a wage garnishment, hugely uh, concerning situation. It's something that people generally, again, run, not walk, to see a licensed insolvency trustee to deal with. And then your second one, that uh, the, 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 a person's bank account is frozen. Oh, my gosh, that must be just horrific for people. Well, exactly right, Elaine. And sometimes, you know, there's a couple different ways your bank account can, can be frozen. You know, sometimes um, it's from your bank that you're dealing with. Let's say you've got a credit card account at Bank A, uh, and then you have some money in, in your savings account also at Bank A, and then you stop paying your credit card account. You couldn't make a payment for a couple of months. Well, and then suddenly they go into your account and they scoop out all the money and maybe they lock the account at the same time. And when you look into it, your cardholder agreement and everything you've signed with the bank, you see they actually have every right to do so. There's what's called the right of offset. So if you owe a bank money, um, you don't make payments as according to the agreement, they have the right to go into any assets you hold with that bank, like a savings account or checking account, uh, and take the money and perhaps lock the account at the same time. So you know, your solution to that is anybody who's listened to this show uh, for any length of time, we always advise people to always bank where you don't owe any money. So never get a credit card from your normal daily bank. The banks really want you to wrap everything up under one roof, but there's a reason for that is it makes it easier for them, but it puts you at more risk. 
But now your bank account can also get frozen from Canada Revenue Agency. And sometimes they'll just freeze the amount that's in there and not take the funds. Sometimes they'll take the funds. Um, but oftentimes that's just to get your attention. So where I see bank account freezes most often um, is when someone has gotten multiple years behind on taxes. Maybe they're self-employed. They're not remitting or filing GST. And CRA has exhausted all the methods of phone calls and letters. They say, well, we're going to get this person's attention by freezing their bank account. And sometimes if you deal directly with CRA, you phone them and say, okay, I'll get this filed by, by X date. And you actually make good on that. They'll often unfreeze your bank account. Um, again, a trustee can also assist, but sometimes with CRA, it's more of a compliance thing than it's just for payment. That uh, right of offset, I think, is so important, Blair. I know you've mentioned it so many times about not having a credit card with the same bank. Uh, such, mm -hmm. such a good, good advice, and and uh, oh, it can, it could, it would uh, save a lot of heartache at the end of the day for folks. So, um, can we talk about if you're unsuccessful or you're still facing the CRA garnishment, short of leaving your job? Is there any solutions for folks? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was saying, you know, if you've got a garnishment, you come and see a trustee. And yeah, you'll come and see a trustee explain the situation for the trustee to actually stop the garnishment. Uh, you got to essentially work with the trustee to restructure your debt through either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. And for the majority of people, over two thirds, sometimes as much as three quarters of the people that we see, they're successfully able to file a consumer proposal and not have to file a bankruptcy at all. And the way a consumer proposal works, just in a nutshell here, is it consolidates all of your debts, puts them together into a single payment, and that payment is based on your income. It's based on what you can afford, and it's usually a whole lot less than the full amount. Usually it's maybe 30 cents in the dollar, 25 cents, 35 cents, something like that, but it's often a big discount on the total amount payable. So sometimes people come into our office just feeling, um, you know, the worst day of their lives, their wages are getting garnished, and they walk out knowing, okay, we can stop the garnished by their next payday, we can put them on a payment plan that was a whole lot less than what they were paying before, um, and a consumer proposal by law can't extend any further than five years. So this is not the never-never plan, the decades you'll be in debt plan, this is inside of five years, you'll be back to owing nobody anything, and you're going to get your wages back, you know, essentially as soon as you sign the proposal documents, then you're Protected. So absolutely, there's solutions to everything, but you've got to reach out and get the help right away. Before we get to the next common debt problem, if you already know or you, or you sort of resonate with this information that we've given you so far and you need some help and some advice and some guidance, Sands & Associates, easy to get a hold of their number, 1-800-661-3030, or visit the website at sands-trustee.com. So... Um, What's the next most common debt problem uh, that you might be able to help somebody better understand? Or you will be able to help them better understand, I should say. Yeah, well, one common one that, that we hear is sometimes people say, you know, I've got all these old unpaid debts. And, you know, can they still come after me? Can they still collect from me? I've heard something about a statute of limitations. Um, does that apply? And I, I did a ton of research about this because I was quite surprised um, that it really wasn't commonly known that there is a statute of limitations on debt in the province of BC. So looking back about two or three years ago, ourselves at Sands and Associates, you know, we wrote a very detailed blog post about statute of limitations in BC, and it's now the number one ranked Google page. If you type in, you know, BC statute of limitations, um, you know, rules around debt, you'll generally be, be redirected to our blog post because there's a lot of stuff that people need to know that's just not widely made available to them because I think, well, 
I think, I guess I'm a bit of, uh, of a conspiracist here, that probably creditors don't want people to know that there is a statute of limitations on debts. And what that means is that there's a two-year period after the date that a debt was incurred or the date the last payment was made against it or the last time that you gave a written acknowledgement of the debt, if two years go by from any of those things happening, so if you incurred the debt, you stopped making payments, and then two years later, um, the creditor pops up and says, you know, we're going to take you to court, we're going to force you to pay. If there's been a two-year period since the last activity, the BC statute of limitations actually prohibits that creditor from taking any legal action against you. So it means they could not take you to court, they couldn't seize your wages, couldn't seize your assets, and a lot of people are shocked to hear that it's only as short as two years. A lot of people think, you know, it's six years or 10 or 20 years, or there is no limitation period, but it actually is just a two-year period. So sometimes we have people who are in our offices, they've got a lot of debt, you know, might be 10 or 15 years old, and we can explain to them, you know, there is a statute of limitations. Now, it doesn't solve all of your problems because it doesn't mean that you don't owe this money anymore, and it doesn't prevent them from calling you, from sending you letters, from demanding payments, but it does mean that legally you don't have any risk that you're ever going to be forced to pay this debt. Blair, and I know that I know there's a, a quite a good section here that you wanted to talk about concerning vehicles, but boy, oh boy, I'd really love to focus on the solutions because I, I think this is the this is sort of the light at the end of a dark tunnel for folks if they're sitting. Oh my gosh, I'm, I fit all this criteria. What do I do now? So can we go about uh, to the the how how you can consolidate with bad debt? How can I apply to have debt written off and forgiven? Because uh, this mm-hmm. is really the the light for folks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great way for us to, to finish up in our last minute or so. A lot of people, they look at the debt consolidation as, you know, the number one option for them that's going to help them out by putting all their debts together and saving on some of the interest. But a lot of people find they're not able to get approved for debt consolidation unless they're getting a co-signer or pledging some assets. So what the better solution in a lot of situations is to investigate a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal is going to give you all the benefits of a consolidation, but with some big differences, meaning zero interest, not a reduced interest, literally zero, no need to borrow any money, no need to ever get a cosigner involved, and a consumer proposal is actually going to reduce the debt to what you can afford. So quite often, 30 to 50% payment is all that's going to get uh, repaid, and all the fees, all the costs, everything is included inside of that repayment. So I always say it's the best debt solution you might have never heard of, and any of these warning signs that we've talked about, a consumer proposal could face them head on. Excellent. I, I just want to throw into your website. You talked about your blog. Your website is just, just filled with such good information, good questions, good answers, easy to understand, great place for folks to start. And book your free confidential debt consultation. Here's the phone number again, 1-800-661-3030 or visit sands-trustee.com. It is tax time. There's no doubt about it. We're going to go through the 2022 tax time tips, do's, and don'ts. And if you're thinking, what? It's too early to start thinking about that. No, it's not. You need to start thinking about getting a start on your taxes, at least prepping. Like if you do it in even in small stages, I've learned over the years, took me a long time, do it in, in little increments as opposed to that huge mammoth job of sitting down and doing it all. Eh, just start, right? That's the key for me, I think. What do you think, Blair? Am I right about that? Oh, <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. And I, I shuddered a little bit if people are just starting to 
think about it now because, you know, we're about yeah. a month out from the deadline. So for some people, it's very straightforward, literally half an hour and their taxes are filed. But for others, you might have to assemble a bunch of things together. Yep, now is the time to start breaking into bite-sized pieces so you don't feel incredibly stressed out the day before the, the tax filing is due. Yeah, when you're sc- screaming at your partner to get it down to the mailbox or drop it on at the office and it's five to five on a, what, on a Friday night or whatever, we haven't. Anyways, we're going to talk about the dates. So uh, Blair's going to talk about some tax time tips, do's and don'ts. Uh, smart from everything from smart refund spending to mitigating a big tax balance and more. Uh, so what what are your, let's just start. Uh, tax time tips applicable for virtually everybody this year, Blair? I mean, is there some commonality for folks? Yeah, I think if nothing else, just from a headline point of view, you want to know if you need to file, what you need to file, and when you need to file. So if you can answer those key questions, uh, you're probably not going to have too many issues with getting your taxes done. And let's kind of go through those kind of one by one. So if you need to file, we often get asked, you know, if I didn't earn any income, do I need to file my taxes? Um, Just you're not going to owe any money. And, you know, theoretically, do you need to file if you don't owe money? Well, no, but there can be a whole lot of benefits. And we recommend everybody file their taxes every year. Um, So first off, it's going to allow you to prove your income. So if you need to make some credit applications or housing applications in the future, you're going to have to have all your taxes filed in for every year. They're not going to accept, you know, a year I didn't make any money, I didn't file. Well, you have to prove that by filing your taxes. But even more importantly, you want to be able to receive the credits that are due to you from Canada Revenue Agency. So things like Canada Child Benefit, which can be very significant, there's been some really good improvements in that over the last number of years. Uh, Things like guaranteed income supplement uh, for senior citizens, uh, GST credits, low action, sorry, low income climate action tax credits. There's just a bunch of basically free money uh, that you can be entitled to, but you have to file your taxes every year uh, in order to get that. And that can be something that can really help a person's budget. Uh, But it's important for everybody to know what their obligations are, especially if you are self-employed. And as we've often heard, ignorance of the law is no defense, and that is doubly so uh, when it comes to taxes. CRA will not give a whole lot of time to someone saying, you know, I didn't quite understand the requirements. I became self-employed. I didn't know what I had to do. Will you cut me some slack? In general, they won't. Um, So if you think your filing abilities are a bit beyond, uh, sorry, your filing requirements are a bit beyond your abilities, you definitely want to consult with a reputable bookkeeper or an accountant. Uh, You know, if you're self-employed, you definitely, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, you need to know where you're supposed to be collecting GST or you're supposed to be doing payroll remittances. You know, if you don't do those things, you can definitely be in a tough spot. Um, And then finally, just make sure you're educated on the latest scams. So, you know, oftentimes we're receiving these robocalls that claim to be from CRA. A few years ago, there was a scam of, you know, getting a a donation tax receipt for a much higher number than you actually donated. And then, you know, five years later, people are getting big reassessments from CRA. So be very careful if something sounds too good to be true about a tax strategy. There's not too much under the sun that's going to significantly reduce your tax balance owing in Canada. Uh, And then in terms of the last question of when you need to file, so definitely understand that filing and payment deadlines are not always the same. So what happens for this year, tax filing deadline is April 30th. It actually works out to May 2nd because April 30th is a Saturday, so you get a couple extra days there. But 
It's May, April 30th, unless you're self-employed, you need to have your tax return filed by that day. And that's also the payment due date for any balances owing for your 2021 taxes. If you are self-employed, you got a little bit of extra time. You got until June 15th to file your tax return. But very clearly, the payment deadline is still April 30th. So even though you haven't filed your taxes, you don't know exactly what you're going to owe. CRA wants you to estimate what you're going to owe and make that payment as of April 30th. And if you fail to do so, they will hit you with interest and penalties and so on and so forth. Doesn't sound the most fair of situations, but it is the reality. So just be aware if you're self-employed, you don't file till June 15th, but everybody's supposed to pay on April 30th. Now, and you may, you may not, you may or may not know the answer to this question, but why do they do it that way? Like it, it just seems counterproductive to me or counterintuitive. Well, that I agree with you, Elaine. I think you know the extra time for being self-employed. I can understand that because you do need time to get all your books together and you know consolidate all your receipts, do your calculations. It's not as easy as just putting in the numbers from a single T four. So if they give you until April to just deal with a single T four, okay, give them a little bit of extra time for more complex things. I think that's nice of them, but that grace doesn't extend to payment. So that's again, I just. Sometimes government do things that do things that don't make sense. And I think this is one of those that doesn't necessarily make sense because your yeah. estimate could be off. And you know, our advice is just to overestimate, pay a little bit extra if you can, so you avoid interest or penalties. But it could result in you paying the government more money than you need to, and you, you'll get it back as a refund. But you won't have use of those funds for a period of time. Exactly. Yeah. So you need to take action. Those are the rules, folks. We don't make them up and I don't understand them either. But yeah, you got to do it. So if you already know that you're going to need some guidance this tax year or you need to take some action to deal with debts and you're not too sure next steps for you because it's tax season and because uh, everything's due at the end of the month, uh, give Sands and Associates a call and see if there's some advice that you can get or start that process. 1-800-661-3030. and make that appointment. So um, I like this, that you've included some tips for people who are expecting to get a tax refund. Uh, we, we don't often talk about that, but yeah, it's a good idea, right, to let people know the things they can do. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing to keep in mind is getting a tax refund is not free extra money. This is actually your money being returned to you because essentially you overpaid during the year. Um, so it, it doesn't always seem that way. So like, oh, it's free money. Well, no, it's your money because you gave the government an interest-free loan essentially for a year. Uh, what we found from our clients is the best use of this money is quite often it's irregular expenses or what can really trip up a person's budget. So whether it's medical expenses, you know, eye exams or annual memberships or dues, uh, it's just things that don't happen every month, but they do happen throughout the year and can sometimes leave us short. So the best use for a tax refund is often to start to build up an emergency fund that you can use for regular expenses if you need to, or if you do have an income interruption or something happens, it can sustain you for a period of time. So if you don't have an emergency fund, we'd say definitely put your tax return um, as a really good start uh, to that emergency fund and continue to build that up over time. That's a great idea. And I like you also included, you know, the suggestion that maybe it's time to check in on goals, that if you've had some goals, maybe now's the best time to take a look at that and see where you are with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it could be, again, if you've got that emergency fund, maybe your next goal is to save for a vacation or maybe from there it's yeah. a home down payment or planning for retirement. There's a number of goals and, you know, having a little bit of money that you can start with a seed for one of those goals is just great. And what about tips for people who are, are who expect to owe more tax than they did, than they thought first yeah. at least? 
the really important thing here, Elaine, is to understand why. So if you hit with a tax bill and you don't understand why, you can't stop it from happening again. So very common situations that we deal with, uh, number one is if people are working multiple jobs, so perhaps they don't have enough taxes being taken off at source and they end up every year owing more taxes. So they need to sit down with their employers and say, here's my total income, let's work out the right tax deductions so that enough gets taken off, but not too much, not too little. Um, the second thing that people often run into is cashing in RRSPs, and especially if you're doing that to pay debt, please stop, think, call us, let's talk it through, because it's usually not a good idea, you don't have to do it, and you do get hit with a tax bill, because almost always the withholding tax when you cash in the RRSPs just isn't enough, and when you file your taxes, you end up owing more money. And then the last one here, just conscious of time, is being self-employed and not collecting or remitting GST. So if you earn more than $30,000 as a self-employed person, the government is going to expect that 5% of your sales are going to be coming back to the government as GST. There's only a very small number of professions where this doesn't apply. And even if you haven't collected it from your clients, you can bet the government's going to want to collect it from you. So be very clear, if you're supposed to collect and remit GST, that's when you don't want to get behind on. Excellent advice. Uh, and any more questions you've got, give Sands and Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030 for that first sit down and talk about your situation and see if you can't get those answers. Their website is also terrific for answers. It's sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. So we're going to look into the future. Life can look pretty different once you are debt-free. So we're going to talk about some key reasons to focus on getting out of debt. If it feels like paying off debt month after month is never-ending and being debt-free is so far into the future, know that you're not alone. And that's what Blair Manton's going to talk about from Sands & Associates. Of course, Blair's a licensed insolvency trustee. He's going to share some insights to help you envision your debt-free future, as well as give you some tips that can help you get there faster. So Blair, to start off, can you share a little bit about what you do at Sands & Associates and some of the debt management resources and services that you offer? Well, with pleasure, Elaine. Um, so licensed insolvency trustees, as you mentioned, uh, I'm a trustee and we're a firm of LITs. We're Canada's only debt help professionals that are regulated and endorsed by the federal government uh, to provide debt help services to consumers. So sometimes people are surprised there's really only a single professional that has the power to help you reduce your debt, but that single professional is a licensed insolvency trustee. And at Sands & Associates, we're BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees that are focused exclusively on providing support and debt management solutions to consumers and small businesses. Uh, we've been around since 1990, and we've got a network of local offices throughout the entirety of the province now for a full suite of in-person um, and now increasingly virtual, whether it's telephone or video, uh, services for residents across BC. And the real difference people find when they're dealing with, with Sands & Associates in particular, as we always wanted from the start of our firm that it extends through today in our ethos, so we treat people with kindness, with respect, with empathy at all times. We know it can feel overwhelming and intimidating to ask for help, 
especially when it's an issue that can be so personal. Sometimes there's a lot of shame. There's definitely still a stigma. Um, but when people are looking for debt help, the best place for them to turn is a licensed insolvency trustee. And it's not hard to get help from an, from an LIT. Every trustee and every trustee at SANS certainly offers free confidential consultations where you get professional advice or an impartial representative, and we help you arrange, you know, a, a arrange for whatever the best option is for you um, out of a full suite of options. And you don't need any referral. You don't need to pay any upfront costs. You can just phone up uh, a licensed insolvency trustee directly and start to talk about the solutions that are available to you. And it's uh, and you've got some some things, some real solid ways to help people get out of debt. I know that um, some people are looking for bankruptcy or and there's other options, too. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that? Of course, Elaine, the second half of the question, so who are we as one, but what do we do is, is even more important. And as you said, Elaine, there's a number of strategies that we can help people with to get out of debt. Um, two that we help the majority of, of our clients with, uh, one people generally understand, is a bankruptcy. So it's personal bankruptcy. Uh, it allows you to get a fresh start to deal with all of your debts and start again. Uh, we talk a lot about bankruptcy on this show, that it's generally not as bad as people would think. The conception uh, of bankruptcy is quite different from the reality, um, but it is something if you can avoid filing for bankruptcy, you'd like to do so. And about 20% of the people that we see um, end up filing for bankruptcy given their circumstances. Uh, about 80% of the people that we see are able to restructure their debts using what's called a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal is the number one alternative to bankruptcy. It's got great advantages over many other options like getting a consolidation loan or even seeing a credit counselor. And what a consumer proposal allows you to do is to combine or to consolidate all of your debt into one interest-free payment where you repay just the affordable portion of the debt um, over a period of monthly payments. So most people offer to repay about 20 to 50% of their total debt, and then the people that they owe money to, the creditors, agree to write off or forgive the unpaid portion and consider the debt paid in full. Uh, what's awesome about a proposal is that it can include just about every kind of debt, so including credit cards, overdrafts, payday loans, lines of credit, even government debt like taxes, student loans, and more. And other than filing for bankruptcy, if you owe the government money, a consumer proposal is the only way that you can make a deal with the government to reduce those debts. So for people that we meet with, we'll go through all the options that are available to them, but for the vast majority of cases, they're able to file a consumer proposal, and sometimes they had no idea this option even existed, but when they reach out to a, consumer, to, to a licensed insolvency trustee, they get that great information about a consumer proposal and all the information they need about other options like a bankruptcy. So if you're already thinking, listening to what Blair's saying and thinking, okay, uh, I'm not sure or for sure I want this option or maybe this strategy is going to be work to work for me. This is what, all, this is all you need to do is give them a call in order to move forward with your plan. 1-800-661-3030. You're calling Sands and Associates. Uh, check out their website as well, sands-trustee.com. So, Blair, what are some of the big ways that people tell you their lives have changed once they are debt-free? Well, 
Elaine, it's absolutely transformational for many people, and a lot of people don't understand how much of an impact that is having on them until that burden is lifted and they can see, well, wow, they're able to live in just such a different way. So, you know, just getting that constant stress, the constant anxiety and worry off a person's shoulder uh, can just make a huge difference. And also the sense of taking back control. So when people deal with their debt, um, you know, they suddenly are in the driver's seat. They're deciding how much they're able to repay. They're deciding when that payment is going to happen. They've got the protection of the trustee along their side. So you no longer feel like you're just being blown around by forces outside of your control. Um, and then you can start to put your mind on different topics when your debt is not taking up your, you know, all of your mind all the time. Um, you can start to be more creative, think about different opportunities. You know, people get a lot more confident in their financial literacy. And sometimes people decide to make career changes now that they can see a lot more clearly uh, because the debt has been eliminated. Um, I think some of our past clients have said it best in their testimonials. And anyone that's seen um, some of our ads on TV, they're real clients, they're unscripted. I'll just quote a couple here. Uh, Sabrina said, it gave me hope. Um, she was dealing with a tough situation, a mother of four boys in Vancouver, uh, doing a consumer proposal gave her the hope to move forward. Uh, another person said, I could finally breathe again. I felt I had something to look forward to. Uh, another gentleman said, I felt that weight off my shoulders for the first time in a long time. It actually looks like I've got a great future ahead of me. Um, that was from one of our clients, Ian. And Elaine, just this morning, I actually had an email from Ian, and I'm still smiling about this email uh, because Ian's passion uh, was that he wanted to become uh, a comic book designer to write his own stories, to have his books published. And just this morning, he sent me an email with a copy of his first comic book. Uh, he's self-publishing. He's sending it out, um, you know, to people for feedback. And he says, you know, from seven years, I was broke. And now I've got my own comic book published. You know, what a transformation. And, you know, we get messages like that, not every day, but, but quite often where people just say their life is so completely different because they, they face the debt burden head on. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Whoa, that's such a great testimonial to hear that from Ian. Um, mm -hmm. and, and listen, I, let's finish this segment off talking about what are the reasons? I, and I'm sure there's some common reasons why people delay, uh, let fear get in their way from getting that professional help. And maybe you're going to help describe somebody who's listening right now and they're going to go, Oh, that's me. I need to do something. Yeah, I think that's a great point to end on, Elaine. It's only 5% of people that seek our help do so right away. 95% of people, they struggle, they stumble about, sometimes they do things that aren't helpful to them, and it's often a period of up to two years. Uh, when we ask people, you know, why didn't you seek help right away, there were three main reasons people reported back to us. Number one, they wanted to manage the debt on their own, and obviously, you know, we support that, try to get a hold of things, but you've got to be, you know, comfortable with what you can actually do under your own steam versus when you need help. Um, the other two, I think, are, are more on point, which they felt ashamed about not being able to handle their debts, and they felt embarrassed to ask for help or worried about being judged. So this stigma about when people find themselves in debt that they've done something wrong, um, you know, that's something that we try to overcome all the time. It's possible to have done everything right and still be in a situation where you have to restructure your debts. So there's no situation where you should be ashamed to reach out for help. There's no situation so severe that you can't get help for your debts. That's such a great uh, 
just such a great reminder uh, of all the people that I've met, Blair, and in, in at Sands and Associates over the years of doing the show. I mean, you've just got a really great bunch of people who are thoughtful and kind and knowledgeable and experienced, and it, it's just such a great avenue. I just want to remind you, uh, sands-trustee.com is the website. The phone number is 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.